How's everybody doing? Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 48 this evening. Uh, if you're on this side and you have a Bible, you might want to turn there. But let me just read that to us and then talk about it for a few minutes. Psalm 48, it begins, it says, A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in His holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. For behold, the kings assembled. They passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled. They hastened away. Fear took hold of them there in pain as of a woman in birth pangs, as when you break the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever, Selah. We have thought, O God, on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion and go all around her. Count her towers. Mark well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that you may tell it to the generation following. For this is our God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. It's a really beautiful psalm. One of the great things about family camp each year is that it gives each of us the chance to come away for a few hours from our regular life. We're away from work, we're away from many of our regular responsibilities, we're away from our regular schedule, and we get to spend our time in this really wonderful setting, enjoying creation and enjoying each other's company and just, just a lot of all-around fun. We get to break away from many of the distractions that fill our time back at home. Uh, if I'm honest, I'm you know, sort of glad that I don't get re- cell phone reception up here because if I did, I'd just be tethered to my phone as usual, you know, checking Twitter and, and checking email and checking headlines. And those things aren't bad, don't get me wrong, uh, but they are filling. And uh, being in a place like this, away from those things, kind of gives me uh, a look into how filling they are. They demand time and thought. And this weekend, we get a, a, a rare chance to just break away and be filled with something else, even for a short amount of time. We get a chance to be filled with thoughts of Jesus Christ and fellowship with His people. We get really high doses of Bible time and family time and worship time. And that's the idea, that we would draw away from our regularly scheduled life and spend time in special communion with God. Jesus often withdrew Himself or with His disciples to pray and to wait upon the Father, to spend time together uh, as believers. For Christ, it was a time of refreshing, a time of rest when He would get away from you know, His regular Judean ministry to pray and to just commune with the Lord and spend time. Oftentimes, multitudes would come and find him out there in the wilderness. Be interesting, you know. Uh, imagine that you would come here, uh, away from work, wherever you, you maybe you work or you know things that you do back at home, and all of a sudden a big group of people came down and said, "We need you to file this paperwork." You know, we need you to take care of this stuff. And obviously, it was much different because he was the Messiah. But you know, the Lord would draw away and go up on a little mountaintop or a little hill to pray and just spend time with the Father, and and it was a time of refreshing for him. Uh, he enc- encouraged his disciples to do so as well. Time away in prayer and in thoughtful rest with the Lord. 
It's important and it's valuable to our Christian lives. And so we're just excited that another camp season, another camp weekend is here for us. Because time spent with God should invigorate our lives. It should right any confusion that we might have. It should focus our hearts. That's what we find, the example in the Bible. Because when we spend time with God, He is faithful to reveal Himself to us. And if we're experiencing God's revelation personally in our lives, then we are going to gain a greater appreciation and a greater expectation of those things that He wants to do in our lives. You know, you read a psalm like this one, Psalm 48, and it strikes you that these guys, the sons of Korah who wrote this song, these songwriters, they had an incredible confidence in their God. Incredible. You read this and you think, man, these guys trusted the Lord. These guys had confidence in their God. These guys were convinced that God was with them. They were confident in His goodness. They were confident in His guidance. Moment by moment, they knew that, you know what, our Lord is with us no matter what the circumstances were. And it's inspiring to read that, inspiring to know uh, those examples. In fact, we see that these guys, the sons of Korah, held this confidence and assurance, even in difficult situations, even when the nation was under attack from enemies, even when they themselves were in danger. They had confidence in God's goodness. They had confidence in God's guiding. They had an assurance of what He wanted to do in their lives. All right, book light. Book light. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll get that. <laughs> we'll see. That, that'll work right there. Uh, and so they had that great confidence and that great assurance. And while each of us and each of our families come here from different backgrounds, each family is facing different a different set of circumstances back home. Uh, some of us are in a time of trial. Some of us are in a time of blessing. Some of us are somewhere in between. But what is true for all of us this evening and this weekend is that we want God to be present in our lives. That's true of all of us. We want the sort of confidence that we see demonstrated in Psalm 48. We want that interaction with God that we see. We want that guidance that we see. We want the help and we want the mercy. We all want those things. And when we open the Scriptures, we discover that God's desire is to reveal Himself and to bring about these things in our lives. You open the Scriptures, and as you uh, see God and what He has said, you find yourself understanding that God's desire is to reveal Himself. Not to shut Himself away from us, but to reveal and to bring about things in our lives. He wants to be present with us. He wants the sort of... Uh, uh, the, the, the sort of interaction that we see here. His desire is not to withhold. He, he instead loves to reveal. He loves to accomplish things in our lives. And so the question is, how do we as individuals and as families, how do we realize this kind of Christian life like we see demonstrated in Psalm 48 and elsewhere in the Bible? How do we find the kind of faith and, and the kind of satisfaction that is here? How do we have a Christian life that is confident and assured and really satisfied with God? What we will find this evening and this weekend is that the Christian life really boils down to one single issue. One issue. And that issue is knowing God. That's what Christian life boils down to. That's what our faith boils down to. Knowing God. That's our purpose. Because that is the answer. To know God personally and intimately. Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians, he said, I determined not to know anything except what? Jesus Christ and Him 
crucified. Knowing Christ is the goal and it is the key to effective living. But knowing isn't just a one-time thing. Sometimes we talk about in, in our Christian vernacular, I came to know the Lord at the age of X. Or, you know, I came to know the Lord when I went to, you know, this event or this study or this church service. But knowing God and, and knowing the Lord and knowing a person in the sense that we're talking about isn't a one-time thing. Because to know a person, whether it's a co-worker, a friend, your spouse, or your Savior, that means to be in a real living relationship with them. It's not to meet a person, but it's to know them personally, not just an introduction. A.W. Tozer wrote that full knowledge of a person cannot be achieved in one encounter. And the same is true in our Christian faith, in our Christian life. Instead, to know a person, we must spend time with them and communicate with them and share with them continually as we grow older. The Christian life can't just be about a conversion and experience with nothing more. If we find ourselves you know, sort of living uh, our lives and, and treating our faith as if it's a, a business, as if we from, some t- from time to time go and seek to purchase guidance or purchase help or purchase wisdom from heaven's general store. You know, it's like we go and become customers of heavenly things when we feel like we need them. Then, you know, we need to repent of that. We need to repent of that and remember that our desire is to give our very hearts and our very lives and all of our devotion to God. To give ourselves to Him in submission and in love. Not to just pay a tribute when we feel a need for spiritual things. He's not a business, He's a person. And He's not called us to a religion, but a relationship. And when we look into the Bible and see the examples within, the people who had confidence in God, people who had real satisfaction in life, were not those who were simply famous or those who had achieved some sort of material uh, success or great wealth in the, you know, business world. Instead, the people who found real fulfillment in God's Word and found real satisfaction are the ones who knew the Lord through and through, despite their circumstances. That's what we see. Well, there was Paul who had such satisfaction and confidence that he could sing songs in the Philippian jail. The Apostle Peter as well. He had such an assurance in the Lord that he could sleep the night before he was to be beheaded. Uh, we think of Abraham, so confident and strong in his Lord that he could walk up a mountain and say, yeah, I'm ready to sacrifice my son because I know who God is and I know that he will raise him from the dead if need be. We think of the three Jewish boys, captives in Babylon, facing execution in a fiery furnace, and they said, who cares? We have confidence. We have satisfaction. We have found our Lord, and that's what matters. Those are those examples we see of people who found meaning in life, and who found satisfaction, and who found contentment in meaningful ways. They could all stand in their faith and in security because they knew God personally, not in religion, but in relationship. The sons of Korah give us some insight into knowing God and some practical ways to evaluate our lives and evaluate our knowledge of God in this psalm. They give us thoughts to consider this weekend as we seek to draw nearer to God in this time that we've set aside as families. And so if you want guidance, the answer is to know God. If you want help in your life, the answer is to know God. If you want faith, the answer is to know God. If you want all the spiritual abundance that is offered to you as co-heirs with Jesus Christ, the answer is to know your God, who He is and what He's done for you. 
to know Him in an actual personal relationship. Because it is through relationship that we are able to say the words from verse 8 of this psalm, as we have heard, so we have seen. And that is such a stunning statement, having come to a place in our lives where we are surrendered to the Lord and filled with His strength and with His confidence, deeply united with Him and pressing toward heaven day by day with Him. The deepening of our relationship with Jesus is something that we can participate in. It's not just something that we have to wait to happen, you know, on our own, that we just sit back and hope that it happens. No, we get to participate in that deepening. And here are a few pointers from this beautiful psalm. Verse 1, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in His holy mountain. Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator, points out that this psalm begins with statements of worship and ends with statements of worship. A good litmus test of our intimacy with God is to simply evaluate whether or not we have a desire to worship Him. Because the more that we know God, the more we actually know Him as a person, the more we will be brought to our knees in humble thanks and adoration before Him. Adoration of His goodness and humility for what He has done for us. And a great starting place in our worship of the Lord is to reflect on the greatness of God. Throughout the centuries, man has been wondering about creation all around us. You know, in the Psalms, throughout the Scriptures, throughout history, you see evidence and you see examples of how mankind has looked up into the stars and looked around him at creation and just wondered at the power and the greatness of God. We have such a wonderful opportunity this weekend to uh, see more of the physical scope of God's creation that we don't always get to see back home. Uh, the greatness of the heavens and the earth formed by the word of his mouth. Uh, uh, brilliant and breathtaking to think of that. But the real bewilderment is not just the stars, it's not just the, the trees, it's not just the creation, but the real bewilderment is that God fashioned all of this and all of the rest of the universe so that he could interact with you and me. This is the backdrop so that he could know us personally. We weren't, you know, a second thought to creation, but he said, oh, I want to make someone in my image and interact with them, and this is the backdrop so that he could do that. Even this place, he has preserved, this camp, this little theater here, he has preserved and foreordained so that we could come together this weekend and that he could speak things to you and to me and draw us nearer to himself. These trees and this lake, this nation, our world, all sculpted so that a personal God could reveal Himself to you and to me and so that He could be with us presently. This psalm rightly declares, Great is the Lord. And so, a question for each of us to meditate upon this evening is this. Are we disappointed with God in any way? It's a personal question that we each have to ask ourselves. Am I disappointed with God in any way? Because life is not easy. Uh, sometimes we face incredible, incredibly difficult situations. Um, but God's desire is not our hurt. It, you know, sometimes we don't see it that way. I think sometimes we allow ourselves to become angry with God on some level, or resentful toward Him in some situation, embittered or just disappointed. Maybe in just a small area of our life, but if we looked within, we might think, oh yeah, I do find some disappointment. I do find some bitterness there. We think the plans and the desires that we have, you know, hey Lord, that would have worked out great if you would have, you know, given me a billion dollars today, or this would have worked out great if you would have just done what I wanted you to do. 
We don't always like what happens in the will of God, and life isn't always easy. But God has revealed to us His intentions in His Word. And He has promised us as His people abundant life. And He has proven Himself trustworthy. Those three things are true. He has brought us forgiveness and He has brought us a plan for our completion. And if we pause to know those things about God and to know Him and what He intends for us, to think about His character and His nature toward us, then we will find that any selfish disappointment we might have will melt away. It will fade away in the light of His grace and His mercy and His plan for our lives. And so this weekend I encourage each of us to think on the Lord's greatness, how He is eternal yet He is with us, how He holds creation in the palm of His hand yet He dwells within His people, how He establishes kingdoms yet He numbers our hairs. It is stunning how He works together all things for good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Now, this particular psalm talks a lot about Mount Zion, the city of God. Mount Zion is God's capital. It's where He had and will set up shop on the earth. Now, currently, we are middle, in the middle of what we call the church age. Uh, Christ has not established His forever kingdom, capitaled in Mount Zion. Instead, He has made His people and their praises His dwelling place. This weekend, we need to each pause and consider for a moment that God's habitation is within you and me. And how stunning that is. The Holy Spirit, God of very God, dwells within our hearts. And we are connected to heaven by the third person of the Trinity who has been sent to help us and to fill us and to empower us for all of life. Verse 2 says, Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. Knowing God is to bring about joy in our lives. That is the cause and effect. As we know God, the effect is joyfulness. Psalm 1611 says this, In your presence there is fullness of joy. And so if we look at this backwards, again evaluating ourselves, we should be able to look within our lives and and examine whether we are people of joy or not. Jesus said in John chapter 15, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And so if we evaluate our lives and we find a complete lack of joy, oftentimes it's because it's been replaced by something. It's been replaced perhaps by discontent, or replaced by you know, some other human uh, shortcoming. But if we know God and if we know His plan for our lives as revealed in the Bible, then we will find that contentment that we're seeking. We'll find that satisfaction that we desire. We'll find that joy that Christ expected every believer would possess. That joy is meant to not only bless our lives, but also bless the people of the earth as they see God working in His people as they see that satisfaction that we find in relationship with Him. And so, the first question is, do we know His greatness? And the second is, do we know His joy? Verse 3 says, God is in her palaces. Speaking of uh, Mount Zion, He is known as her refuge. Do you know God as refuge? This idea has become more meaningful to me recently. Uh, A few months ago, our house was robbed, and, and many of you have experienced that sort of situation as well at some point in your life. 
but since then, really, it's been so much more personal, personal excuse me, to me to think of God as refuge. And I've noticed that word a little bit more as I read through uh, the Bible in different portions of Scripture. Because that's a phrase and an idea that didn't really hit home with me as much as it does now. Because a refuge is not a place that you go to when things are going well. A refuge is not a place that you run to when everything's alright. You don't run for shelter when there is no threat. You, you, a refugee that we see on the news or we hear about from time to time, a refugee is not someone that just is on a road trip during summer break. They're seeking to escape something. They're threatened by something. But when there is fear, when there is terror, when there is a spiritual siege on your life, we must know God is our refuge. He desires to be a place of safety, an escape from torment, a comfort and a help. Psalm 46, just a couple chapters back, says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Our Jesus is a sanctuary, offering shelter that no government can supply, no amount of wealth can guarantee, and no preparation can ensure. He is our refuge. And so do we know God as refuge? Verse 4, For behold, the kings assembled, they passed by together, they saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled, they hastened away. Fear took hold of them there, and pain as of a woman in birth pangs. And when you break, uh, excuse me, as when you break the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. Do we know God as defender? He's not only a shelter from the storm, but he's also a defender and an avenger of his people. He's mindful of our lives. Uh, but, and he's also mindful of those things which are coming against us. He's mindful of those trials that you're in right now. He's mindful of those adversaries that you have. And he is a defender against those things. Uh, as fallen human beings, we're prone to accuse God sometimes when we're in the midst of a trial. Uh, we, we kind of turn to Him and we say, Hey, what gives here, Lord? You know, I thought that you were going to do X, Y, and Z, and I don't know why I'm going through this difficulty. There's a storm around me, and I'm not really sure well, what the deal is with that. And we are prone to accuse God of not caring for us. It's human nature. reminds us of uh, the time that Jesus and His disciples were on, a, on the lake, and on their boat, and Jesus was sleeping in the boat, and a storm arose, and it says in Mark chapter 4, they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And we have this kind of human knee-jerk to accuse God of things. If we are committed to knowing God, if we're committed to truly knowing Him the way that He desires us to know Him, then we will immediately understand that He has not left us. God has not forsaken us. He has not abandoned us. But He is here, He is present, and He is strong to save us through the storms of life and preserve us from our enemies. Sometimes we're saved from storms, sometimes we're saved through storms. But either way, Jesus Christ is with us, and He loves us, and He is present to defend us. Verse 8, As we have heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. Selah. Again, we return to that statement, as we have heard, so we have seen. And what a, a remarkable thing to be able to say as a Christian, as we draw nearer to the Lord and see Him working in our lives. We've received God's Word. We've also received the Holy Spirit who has set up shop in our hearts. We know God's desire is to establish us and to complete His work in us. We know those things. God has set up this relationship so that we can receive, so that we can gain victory. 
He, he's not in this relationship to confuse us or to make it hard for us to achieve the things that He wants for us. That's not the way that God operates. You know, he's not trying to you know, spin us around and knock us down. He's set up this relationship so that we can know Him and so that we can know the power of His uh, crucifixion and the, and the power of His transformation. God wants us to have dynamic, Spirit-led lives. But so often, as we, you know, poll ourselves or as we, you know, look within, as we converse with one another, so often we feel weighed down in this life. We feel discouraged. We feel disheartened in our faith. And oftentimes we do feel confused about situations we're in. But we know that isn't what God wants for us. And so there's this sort of discrepancy. And so the key is to look within. What do we find when we get alone with God and invite His examination in our lives? When we commune with Him and see Him revealed, do we find worship of His greatness? Do we find joy that He supplies to us? Do we find confidence in His defense of our lives? Do we find Him as refuge and as strength? And so this weekend is not only a time for us to be away from our regularly scheduled life, but this weekend we get to evaluate our spiritual lives and sort of take a measuring of of how we're feeling about our faith and what the Lord is doing. Not only that, but we get to strengthen our spiritual lives. We get to strengthen our families this weekend, and that is a precious thing. We get a special time to be with God, with our families and with our fellow believers. And we have a precious, precious opportunity to know more of our Savior and King, who's waiting to fill us with unspeakable blessing and life more abundantly. Knowing God is the goal personally and passionately. The way to help, the way to joy, the way to guidance is to know Jesus. He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life, and nothing else is. And so when we step away from any concern that we have or any burden that we have, and we take a moment and say, okay, God, what do you want? The Lord comes to us and He says, I want you to know me. And as you know me, I will show you all the things that I have for you and all the plans that I've made for you. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. That's what we want. Psalm 48 verse 8 ends with the word Selah, which is a signal to pause and consider what you had just sung. And so it's a good place for us to stop this evening. And so enjoy this time this weekend away. Enjoy your families. Enjoy the splendor of this creation. And be intent on knowing God more by seeing who He is and what He has done for you and what He still desires to do. Amen? Amen. Amen.